Hobbit shit. Welcome to that Hobbit shit. I'm Corey, and I'm Mike. Hey, Mike. How are you? I'm really good. How are you, Corey? I'm pretty good. Um, what a, what what should we talk about today? Corey, we're talking about chapter two, otherwise titled "Drop in Travel." <laughs> uh, please tell me tell me everything about it, Mike. So, Corey, when we last left our heroes. Bilbo had just celebrated his 111th birthday and disappeared into the night, leaving Frodo, Bag End, and the precious, precious ring. Gandalf mentioned to Frodo that something was amiss and said, be very careful with that ring. (laughs) And he took off too. So 17 years pass. (laughs) We meet up with Sam, who is getting quite drunk at the Green Dragon. Ooh. And, <laughs> um, Sam and his buddies are gossiping as usual about nothing important at all. So I'm going to skip over everything they talk about. <laughs> the important point is Sam wanders home because he has some gardening to do in the morning. So in these 17 years, Frodo has continued to celebrate Bilbo's birthday every year and kept up his tradition of being a weird old coot. Unlike Bilbo, he still tramped around with a few friends, including Falco Bofin, Fredegar Bolger. Do you remember his nickname? Fatty Bolger. Fatty Bolger. Um, Peregrine, <laughs> or Pippin, Took, and Myriadoc, or Mary, Brandybuck. Cool guys. Yeah. He also was rumored to be tramping around with elves. <laughs> And he was said to have had his eyes set on the edges of the map. Excellent little Hobbit expression. (laughs) So the very evening that Sam, well, probably, this is probably every evening, so it's no coincidence, but um, (laughs) the very evening that Sam is gossiping about Bilbo, Gandalf shows up out of nowhere, looking older and much more weather-beaten. He noted that Frodo looked exactly the same. They chatted into the night and Gandalf kind of starts talking about that old ring of Bilbo's and then says, oh, that's enough for tonight. Let's go to bed. (laughs) The next day after Frodo cooks him a hearty breakfast and supplies him with a not small amount of tobacco, (laughs) they get to talking about, about the ring. Actually, over some smoke rings, they get to talking about this ring. A baggage uh, tradition. Yeah. Also, <laughs> it's to be noted that while they were both completely stuffed with food and sitting with their feet up smoking, they could hear Sam hard at work gardening. <laughs> so it turns out that ring, that little trifle that Bilbo was carrying around. Oh, yeah. That. It, it was much more powerful than Gandalf ever feared. It's a <laughs> ring of power. And would overcome any mortal who possessed it. A great ring, Corey, will extend mortal life beyond measure. And it slowly causes them to fade completely. That's why Bilbo didn't age, but also why he felt like butter spread over too much bread. (laughs) A very, actually, uh, appropriate analogy. (laughs) Bilbo had mentioned to Frodo that the ring was growing on his mind more and more, and it needed looking after. 
also how it was prone to changing sizes and slipping from fingers, which is pretty odd. And they just kind of waved it off before, which is even odder. <laughs> <laughs> I just realized I don't have a note about that, but I feel like I should. <laughs> um, so photo asks Gandalf, how long have you known? And <laughs> Gandalf says, he was always suspicious of the ring and Bilbo's lies because Bilbo was lying so much. Uh, but really what tipped him off was, was when Bilbo flipped out when Gandalf insisted he leave the ring for Frodo. <laughs> Seems straightforward. Yeah. <laughs> 17 years ago, he, he suspected this. <laughs> so for those 17 years, he studied Bilbo <laughs> as he recovered from the ring's hold on him. And noted that Bilbo was pretty much back to his old self. <laughs> he then asks Frodo for the ring and flings it into the hottest part of the fire. Frodo screeches. Gandalf waits an agonizing length of time and then has Frodo pull the ring out from the fire. It's perfectly fine, cool to the touch. And eventually, evil-looking lettering can be seen upon it. Frodo holds it up, but he can't read it, even though Frodo, you know, is one of the few hobbits that can read. Um, I think he can read Elvish too, which is pretty forward thinking of him. Yeah, I was just thinking that actually, because that comes up. Uh, I shouldn't mention this, but it comes up in the next chapter about Frodo and Elvish. <laughs> but anyhow. Um, so he asks Gandalf to read it to him in shame. <laughs> In the language of Mordor, do you know what it reads? It reads, one ring to rule them all, one ring to find them, one ring to bring them all, and in the darkness bind them. This is the one ring, the master ring that Sauron seeks, Gandalf says. Pretty nonchalantly. <laughs> Frodo asks, how did this come to me? And Gandalf, like usual, gives a dickish answer. Oh, it would take quite a while to tell you. You'd never understand. <laughs> so it turns out turns out that remember the necromancer from the Hobbit? Ah, yes. This is ring related. He ended We're up not being, just talking about necromancers. Not just necromancers in general. This was the necromancer. Um, so Sauron, the great enemy, was the necromancer, and the necromancer was Sauron. He fled from Mirkwood when the White Council confronted him and into Mordor, where he is gathering his strength. But he is missing that one ring, Corey. <laughs> the ring? The ring. You see, as the rhyme states, it has control over all other rings of power. There are three elves who have hidden their special rings. There are three dwarf rings that have been recovered. The others, the other seven, were eaten by dragons. <laughs> Sorry, the other four? Yeah, I think so. Four or seven Four. total? Yeah. yeah, there are, sorry, there are seven total dwarf rings. <laughs> Four were eaten by dragons. Three were recovered by Sauron. And then there are nine rings that were given to men, and all of those men are under Sauron's control. Oh, they've also become dirty, dirty ghosts. <laughs> it's, the, it's the best description I've heard of them. <laughs> so Gandalf says of the rings, he has the nine, and the remaining of the seven, 
missing the three elven rings, but not bothered anymore because once he recovers the one, he will have control over everything that they have built. I assume that means the special elven homes that the rings have helped them create, craft. So Bilbo, jumping to the lo- logical conclusion, says, why wasn't the ring destroyed when you guys killed Sauron last time? <laughs> and Gandalf says, the weakness of men. And that's another long story that I can't tell you. <laughs> this is in between smoke rings that he says these things. Yeah, this, I'm, I assume he draw, drew this out between dinner, or sorry, between breakfast and lunch so that he would get another free meal. <laughs> Gandalf does give Frodo a bit of backstory here about how the ring actually came to him. Because as you remember, Gollum had it at one point. What did you call him? A gross little... Uh, I definitely called him gross. I don't recall. (laughs) (laughs) So in these 17 years since uh, Frodo's last seen Gandalf, him and a ranger friend found and caught Gollum and tortured him into telling them where he had been all this time. Turns out he was in Mordor, narking on Bilbo. (laughs) So Sauron knows all about the Shire and the name Baggins. Frodo, in a panic, says, why don't we just destroy the ring? Not thinking at all. (laughs) Goes to throw it into the fire again, where it's already been once. Um, And he finds he can't do it. He doesn't have the power. And Gandalf laughed at him and said, you have to take it to the crack of doom. And Frodo said, what is a crack of doom? Does he and elaborate then, on that one? <laughs> I'm, um, I don't know if he does. I, he says it's in Mordor, <laughs> but that's all. For all Bilbo knows, the crack of doom is Sauron's pants. <laughs> that wouldn't solve anything. <laughs> so Frodo is, he is so upset. <laughs> he says, well, why can't you just take it, Gandalf? Which is a good question. <laughs> <laughs> Frodo's a Frodo proves very early on that he's quite a sensible fellow. <laughs> yeah, he asks all the right questions, and he's just like, I can't imagine being presented with this over breakfast. <laughs> it's breakfast a pretty you made. Yeah, making <laughs> Gandalf watched him make him breakfast, serve him, and then told him his life was pretty pretty much over. <laughs> oh yeah, there's a bunch of evil ghosts that are out to get you. <laughs> and the second most evil being ever to live knows your name and hates you <laughs> yeah that's uh that's it in a nutshell <laughs> and he knows where you live <laughs> <laughs> having discovered your name he looked you up real quick yeah as you've been sitting here you know in a leisurely way blowing smoke rings out the window um so frodo says why can't you take it gandalf and gandalf completely out of character declines the power and greatness of the ring (laughs) so frodo very much in character as we will see says well we have to do something and i will help i can keep it until we find a better keeper so gandalf leads frodo into accepting this dangerous dangerous quest of taking the ring from here to Elrond's house, the last homely house. <laughs> Gandalf says, but you don't have to go alone. Reaches out the window and pulls in Sam, who Gandalf knows has been listening this whole time. And why would Sam go? Because Gandalf once again uses threats and blackmail on him. 
also strangely, Sam was so excited to get to hang out with Frodo that he cried. <laughs> Not for the last time. That was the chapter. That was a very long chapter and very difficult to summarize. And I hope I did it justice. <laughs> I, I think you did a, a pretty, uh, uh, what's, what's the word here? Pretty precise job there, Mike. You, you sum some things up, I think, very, very well. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Should we jump into chapter notes here? Uh, yeah, let's. Um, so you, you touched on this, uh, and this is my first chapter note, uh, that this chapter covers 17 years. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's, this is chapter two, 17 years have passed. Uh, it's, nothing yeah. has happened. No. <laughs> the, the Lord of the Rings gets a lot of, um, a lot of sort of criticism for how long-winded and potentially uninteresting the writing can be. Um, <laughs> which, I mean, I don't, I don't always agree with, uh, but yeah, chapter two is, 17 years long. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm finding myself rereading it for the fourth time, probably. It's very ponderous at times. Yeah, I, I think particularly at this point, like it's its start is uh, is, is really, really slow. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like, who cares about Sam? <laughs> yeah, he just, he's boozing it up and dispelling rumors about Frodo. <laughs> And the weird things he gets up to by himself. <laughs> I think it's kind of fascinating to think that. Uh, so Sam's at the Green Dragon doing this. Uh, meanwhile, down the road at the Ivy Bush, his father is doing exactly the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Just with like a slightly older crowd. Did you hear about him and the fish? <laughs> this also might be proof, actually, uh, now that we're talking about it, that uh, the Green Dragon is actually the younger, hipper bar. <laughs> Yep, it's obviously the better bar. I wonder if the green dragon will be taken over by the prancing pony once we visit there. I think the prancing pony is cooler. It's definitely cooler. Uh, it doesn't have nearly as many weirdo hobbits and actually probably some more well-adjusted hobbits. <laughs> more worldly hobbits? Yeah. And it's probably got like, a, it's one of those places that has like the the like chapter book of a menu that they give you with all the different taps that they have. Oh yeah. It just, yeah. Just huh. We'll have to think on this one. <laughs> uh, my first note was after 17 years, obviously nobody's forgotten Bilbo just disappearing on his birthday. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a tradition just to, to be shocked. <laughs> uh that is so that ties quite closely to a note that i had mike i don't know if this is part of yours but the story of mad baggins oh, please, please go on <laughs> the the character uh of mad baggins uh is is like a fictional hobbit story for like generations and generations to come he he disappears with a bang and reappears with treasure <laughs> And they, the hobbits remember it and recount it to children long after anyone remembers Bilbo's actual name or what actually happened. Uh, but they remember the treasure that did not exist. Yeah. Not really yeah, anyway. <laughs> they remember all the important parts, the falsehoods. 
I, I just imagine like uh, one of those, I guess, I guess it's called like a Punch and Judy, uh, like puppet show. <laughs> and just one of the characters is just a, a puppet of Bilbo that just vanishes and comes back with treasure. <laughs> I hope it's a poor depiction too. <laughs> what would a poor depiction of Bilbo be? Uh, oh, it, would, it would be made from a a hobbit's leggings, I'm sure. You know those puppets? <laughs> yes. <laughs> with a with a button missing? Yeah, for sure. It would have several, probably all the buttons along the front missing. <laughs> Mad baggins without his buttons. Um, I've got one. A tree man or woman was spotted. Did you pick up on that? Yeah. Yeah, that was a... Uh... That was some heavy foreshadowing. Yeah, a tree woman. It's too bad that Sam isn't present when other tree people are asking after their lady friends. Oh, shit. I did not make that particular connection. Oh, wow. That's very interesting. That's, yeah, that's super cool, actually. Um, are, Are the Ents and the Entwives just simply separated by like what the misty mountains uh we'll get into that but i bet we could research it more maybe the madam house will tell us more in a later chapter yeah this is this is something uh for us to uh what what do they say mike put a pin in it yeah i'm making a note right now yeah that's cool that's actually really cool that that did not cross my mind at all but yeah what what the heck were they doing in the shire (laughs) it is a very green space it's it's lovely, yeah. If and especially if you're so tall that you can't hear the hobbits chattering. <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't even have to worry about being downwind because they'd be so high above them. <laughs> downwind around uh, eleven o'clock when <laughs> breakfast is digested. Yeah. <laughs> um. Did you notice how? mean Gandalf is when he's talking about the hobbits and the Shire <laughs> yeah he gets he gets some digs in uh, he, said, he... he calls them charming absurd and helpless hobbits <laughs> even the ridiculous bagginses <laughs> actually I had that as a note because he does a roll call there he says the bagginses boffins tooks brandybucks scrubs and chubs broses hornblowers bulgers brace girdles good bodies brockhouses and proudfoots uh, crab feet. Uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, uh, it, but don't forget the Sackville Bagginses. <laughs> Ridiculous Sackville Bagginses. But Frodo isn't innocent either because <laughs> he says the residents are too stupid or dull to save. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, you can look at this a couple different ways. You could be like, yeah, hobbits are horrible little creatures. Or you could be like, maybe the Bagginses really were just a bunch of jerks. <laughs> they, or they could be the most normal hobbits. And it's probably just their hell living there. <laughs> or maybe they hold a, a serious, serious grudge. What's it been like 70 years since they all tried to steal everything Bilbo owned? Yeah, that, yeah that's a good point. I don't think I'd forget that. <laughs> and then 17 years since they tried to do it again. <laughs> Well, I guess maybe uh, in the defense of these uh, poor, absurd, helpless hobbits, um, the first time they tried to take all his possessions, they tried to do it through uh, legal means. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) (laughs) But the second time, all bets are off. 
Well, it was still legal within the Shire that if you found loot in somebody's house, you could keep it. Man, what bullshit. <laughs> they probably passed that law in between those two times. They probably call it the Mad Baggins Law. Yeah, I bet I bet you they did. <laughs> I think uh, I think Adolf also refers to uh, Hobbit lore or Hobbits in general as an obscure branch of knowledge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's the only one that's bothered to learn about them. So he's also well making fun of them, claiming that he knows more about them than anyone else in the world. <laughs> Man, what a prick. <laughs> Mike, you mentioned uh, at one point when we were talking about scenes from the movies, uh, overriding scenes from the book, um, that Gandalf and Frodo's conversation about the ring uh, was at night. Yeah. Um, not, not a cheery morning. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That part is fucked because I, I could have sworn that it took place at night in the book. Yeah, I, yeah, I kind of did too. Um, the, the, I actually, I pulled a, a quote thinking about that. Uh, it says at some point, such matters were best left until daylight. Yeah, which um, makes sense. Yeah, yeah, which does make sense, yeah. Um, how decadent though that they've got like, I, I think it's probably the glowing fire and like the, the relaxed smoke rings and stuff that doesn't really seem like, you know, 1045 <laughs> <laughs> between breakfasts <laughs> yeah that sweet spot between first and second breakfast um i have one last note excellent four dwarven rings were eaten <laughs> I, you know i'm glad that came up um because that's really cool and i did not make a note about that did smog uh, did smog eat a dwarf ring uh, yeah, so you know what? I think Smog must have, which kind of makes sense. But it's interesting. They deal with that a little bit in the Hobbit movies, um, which I don't trust, I wouldn't say, for like particular <laughs> lore. But um, but that, I guess, counts as one of the ones in the movie. It counts as one of the ones that Sauron recovers. Oh, do they mention it in the movie? Well, because, uh, yeah, because um, uh, Thror... Wait, Thorin, son of Thror, son of Thrain. Thror, <laughs> Sorry, just trying to get my uh, lineage in line here. When Thror is captured by Sauron and he sort of lures Gandalf there, I think that's when they get the ring from Thor. Oh, I think you're right. Yeah. Okay. At least that one wasn't eaten, though. I was trying to envision how Sauron would, would recover an eaten ring, and I don't like it. <laughs> uh yeah that conjures up some images um remember in jurassic park when that triceratops is sick yep <laughs> but sauron just have it, his sleeves rolled up <laughs> digging around i think i found it um just digging around the desolation of smog or is the desolation when he's digging inside of smog his desolation of, hole uh, the crack of doom <laughs> Ew. the name of the podcast is that hobbit shit it's true we have gotten on topic pretty hard here <laughs> that dragon shit i i, I honestly though would have uh, if not for that thing in the movie uh i would have assumed that uh that would have been one of the ones that was eaten by a dragon yeah it it, it makes total sense <laughs> yeah, if any he... of them were to be eaten 
I guess there are other dwarven kingdoms and um, there are other dragons, but we know that a great ring will survive everything. So it would have passed through the other side of a dragon. Yeah. What? Do, uh, shit. I don't remember the name of the dragon that uh, Gandalf mentioned. Like even his fires <laughs> worked <laughs> enough. It's like that. Oh no, I'm not gonna make that joke. Um, <laughs> pretty interesting. It's it. Yeah. It's neat to think of like of dwarves uh, having like perpetual dragon troubles. <laughs> it's pretty great. Um, in the Silmarillion, when you hear about the dragon armor they build, which just boggles the mind. Oh, I don't recall that. Like armor for a dragon? Yeah, they have like armor for fighting dragons. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, I guess that does make sense. Yeah, but how did it, like like fire would just, you know, go in any hole. (laughs) Or Uh, heat it up. I I don't know. I'm not a dwarf. No, no. They are awfully small. Yeah, their craft is a... Dwarfcraft is sweet. <laughs> uh, Mike, what do you suppose the quote sounds of Sam Gamgee cutting the lawn end quote were exactly? Okay, I I bet there's a lot of cussing. <laughs> I thought so too. But probably weird Sam got um, cussing like <laughs> gaffers, knickers, and stuff like that. <laughs> Or like three inches tall the grass is. My word, I can't abide that length. <laughs> but yeah, it, it must just be the weirdest, yeah, yokelist. <laughs> I forgot how much of a yokel Sam is. <laughs> he really is. <laughs> I love how this chapter ends with him crying. <laughs> After being tricked to go to his doom. <laughs> just weeping with happiness. <laughs> Mountains, Mr. Frodo, and Oliphant. Oh, I can't wait. Yes. <laughs> Maybe we should have a Sam, <laughs> a Sam segment where he gets to see something he loves. <laughs> Sightseeing with Sam. Sightseeing with Sam. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man. I, I think our I think our rule is uh, if we can find a sound bite, we can make a segment out of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, off to the Green Dragon. Yeah, okay, off we go. But the only food for the Draven too come from the Green Dragon. Ah, welcome to the Green Dragon Inn. Mike, good to hey, see Corey. you. Hey, Corey. <laughs> uh, what are you drinking this week? What, what's, what's, your, what's your choice? Which tap are you getting? Corey... <laughs> In honor of 17 years of Frodo celebrating Bobo's birthday and the anniversary of him disappearing. <laughs> yes. I'm drinking Fieldhouse Anniversary Hazy IPA, a 7% strong beer from Fieldhouse Brewery. Ah, strong for the history involved. Yeah, it's uh, brewed in Abbotsford, BC. Oh, excellent. I haven't tried Wait, say, it yet. Sorry, say the brewery again. Fieldhouse. Fieldhouse. That sounds familiar. Huh. I, I guess I, fuck, I say that a lot because, <laughs> yeah, okay, anyway. Ooh, that is a fruity IPA. I like it. Oh. Hmm. 
30 IBU. <laughs> you know, the um, ever reliable IBU. The infallible system. Uh, a fruity and hazy strong IPA. Would, yeah. you, would you describe it as hazy? It's definitely hazy. You cannot see through it. This is... <laughs> it is the color of um, hand-squeezed lemon juice. Oh. Ooh. Yeah, it, it looks quite nice. I have to take a photo of this. I forgot. You know, for the for the gram. <laughs> oh, you gotta do it for the gram. Mike, when people are allowed to go back to pubs and things and actually sit in the... Can you imagine the the crazy increase in gramming beer do you think it's gonna there's gonna be a sharp uptick in it i mean there could be i don't, I don't know <laughs> this is a very tasty beer yeah yeah it's um very fruity it actually has a very low bite even though it's hoppy that it's not super super like hop forward okay a hop bomb, hop bomb of an IPA that is both juicy and dank. <laughs> oh, the dank, mo, the dank. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite good. Um, five times dry hopped. Wow. Wow. Huh. Since I don't know what a dry hop is, I'm assuming that's impressive. <laughs> I know what a wet hop is, and I'm going to assume that a dry is the opposite. I think, <laughs> I think, Corey. And uh, obviously, I'm an expert on it. I think a dry hop is when they allow the hops to dry before they put them into the, the mash. Oh. I think a wet hop is just fresh. Interesting. That makes sense. See, some of the best trips to the pub are when you learn something. <laughs> you always do. It's not always true, but you will learn something. Yeah. Like, for example, the things that uh, Sam was also hearing and telling. <laughs> exactly like that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Corey, what are you drinking this week? Oh, well, uh, thanks for asking, Mike. Um, <laughs> the the alternative name for this chapter was The Shadow of the Past. Yeah, and the official name. Uh, I choose to believe what I choose to believe. <laughs> and so if because we're heading into the past, when you head into the past, you need to tread lightly. So I'm drinking Muskoka Brewery, tread lightly. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is a light lager. Just having a taste of it now, I don't think I would describe this as a light lager, personally. <laughs> I, yeah, that's a very odd choice of flavor. It's a, it's pretty dank. It's like, it's a pretty, uh, I, I think I would describe it as heavy. And I'm, I'm not just saying that to be funny. I, I think that, <laughs> I think that's a good description. Um, a literal cottage brewery. <laughs> you know i actually uh and I, I say this this a lot too like mike your brewery sounds familiar and i'm drinking a beer that's not from one of my favorite breweries uh i don't love muskoka uh, oh um I like sorry i'm trying to I'm trying to, i know i've seen their beer you may have had mad tom or perhaps detour no <laughs> okay yeah cool um <laughs> I'm looking up the beers right now. I think, oh yes, 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 yes. I've definitely seen their labels. Yeah, they're like they're okay. They're like, um, I mean, they're they're not the worst, uh, and they do they do like interesting 
sounding seasonal beers and i think that's why i don't like them is because i try a lot of their seasonal stuff and it's usually really not good <laughs> oh like it'll, they'll do something like that sounds very interesting I, I can't quite think of one off the top of my head but i'll be like that sounds great and then i'll get it and i'll be like oh. okay i'm gonna tell you something Corey. i think that muskoka brewery brews the harvest ale that i love i think it's muskoka brewery and if it is I love that beer. It's one of my favorites, but I haven't had it in forever. I have never seen that can. Uh, it certainly exists. You're right. I have definitely never seen it. I've never seen the can, but they used to have that beer. If it's the beer I think it is, they used to have it on tap at the um, Woolwich Arms and Arrow or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think they had it on tap and I would get it every time because I loved it. Oh, shit. Okay. I think that's the one. I didn't know it came in cans. It comes in pints. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if it's seasonal. Oh, no, they have it. You can get it at the LCBO. Look at that. It's available in kegs and cans, according to their website. Well, Corey, <laughs> Just to um, you're going to have to get a keg the next time I visit. Look, it's it's at the LC. Oh, sweet. It, they won't deliver it to me. <laughs> I don't know. They might. Uh, <laughs> just... Uh, might not be that fresh um <laughs> no I, I think they can't go you know over the borders of our provinces um yeah the beer would probably burst into flame or something um okay oh. well yeah that's cool i mean mad tom ipa is uh is a fairly i think there's like very mad tom or extra mad tom or uh, mad mad tom or something <laughs> Uh, that's like a even higher percentage IPA, which is like kind of around uh, in the realm of like a bone shaker, um, which I quite like. That's a really like gross thing. Anyway, this is okay. It's it's not it's not bad. Uh, I wouldn't call it a light lager. It's it's a lager, which I do like. Um, yeah, this is a good one. I drink this again. Thanks, Muskoka. We both learned a lot on this adventure. <laughs> and yeah, I, I would say that I only had one bad beer each. Yeah. Oh, for me, it was that sour. Oh, I hated it. Yeah, Blood me too. Don't, don't drink that. Yeah, that was I the same episode, wasn't it? Yeah, we both got, you know, alcoholic urine. <laughs> I was going to say, you call it a piss beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, good visit to the Green Dragon. It's, oh, been, like, it's been a little while, hasn't it? It, it has. It has. Um, you, so this is the second time, and I apologize, this episode, that you've done a really great segue, and I actually had one more thing to bring up. <laughs> This is, this is maybe not that episode specific. So I hesitate to say you may cut this out if you so choose, or you may say, let's not discuss this, Corey, but I have a topic for you to discuss while we are at the pub. Mike, are you on the Tragically Hips mailing list? I am. Did you see the email? I, I did. <laughs> about them suing the Amsterdam brewery. Yeah, I did. For the 100th Meridian beer? Yeah. For the hundreds million beer, I'm just a little baffled by it. Uh, I thought I would bring it up. <laughs> well, they I think briefly looked at the uh, the email, but it looked like they had been using pictures of Gord in their advertising, and that was kind of the last straw. Yeah, they they uh, they seem to be heavily implying on their like social media that it was actually connected to the hip. Um, yeah, which isn't about. cool. No, no, and apparently they were like uh, I guess like pretty dismissive when the hip contacted them about it. Yeah. Which is also not cool. Nope. Uh, oh, they do also make made a point in the email to say that uh, Amsterdam is not uh, a local brewery. It's owned by uh, Labatt, which is like a <laughs> multinational conglomerate. 
Yeah, okay. Anyway, I, I wasn't sure if you heard that, and I, I wanted to, yeah. The Matham House, it was called. Welcome to the Matham House, where we discussed throwaway or extra knowledge that we don't know where else to put. Corey, do you have a Matham for us this episode? Uh, why, yes, Mike. Uh, this little useless information um, is the life of Gollum. Little Gollum? Yeah, his life is a Matham. <laughs> it feels weird to say that out loud. It's so cruel. <laughs> now, Mike, this Matham is something that uh, Gandalf described uh, with some pretty choice words. He was the one who gathered this information. Um, and some of the ways he described it was, uh, firstly, that Gollum is a liar. He repeats that. <laughs> uh, Much like Bilbo and his lies. Yes, actually. Uh, <laughs> that, that, that's actually quite important. <laughs> uh, also that he only endured Gollum as long as he could. Uh, Gollum did a lot of sniveling, snarling, muttering, whining, <laughs> cringing, and licking his own fingers. Um, which is, uh, try, try and picture that, dear audience. Uh, just think how weird it is. Anyway, um, uh, and the story was constantly interrupted with curses and threats. Uh, and though he only endured it as long as he could, Gandalf had weary days of it. Uh, but yeah, having, uh, having gotten all that out of the way, um, we can jump right into the actual information. Uh, so it seems that long ago, there was a hobbity type people who lived along the Great River. And because these hobbits liked water, they must have been related to the Stewards, if you can recall your hobbit history. Another oh, I know my hobbit history, thank you. <laughs> I, I apologize for assuming that you might not. Um, <laughs> uh, so one of the more prominent families uh, in this hobbit community uh, was ruled over by a matriarch, a grandmother. And this grandmother, of course, uh, is the one who Gollum taught to suck eggs, if you can recall your The Hobbit history. Um, she was wise in old lore, and perhaps egg sucking was a new thing back then. Uh, crazy fab with the kids. Um, Could you stop mentioning the egg sucking grandmother, please? It's in the text, Mike. I will not stop mentioning it. <laughs> uh, I just think it's funny to try and fit that into this story. Um, <laughs> but maybe it was one of Gollum's lies. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I taught my grandmother to suck eggs. Sure. <laughs> Another thing that when you just say it out loud, it seems kind of weird. It's um, filthy. <laughs> so anyhow, uh, among this family was a, a curious and inquisitive little guy called Smeagol. Um, or I think when I first read this before I saw the movie, I called him Smeagol. There's an accent in there and I, I obviously butchered it. But anyway, in the movie, they say Smeagol. So we'll say Smeagol. Um, <laughs> you think his father uh, was Fiegel? Uh, well, his buddy is Deagle. So yeah. Oh. Wow, could this sect of hobbits only hang out with people with rhyming names? Was that their little quirk? <laughs> they hadn't, their society hadn't uh, progressed to the point where you only had to name your children the same thing. <laughs> uh, sorry, sorry. I'm mathaming, mathaming your matham. <laughs> You're getting mathams all over my matham. Uh, family, matriarch. Uh, among this family uh, was a curious and inquisitive little guy called Smeagol. Smeagol's chief interests lay in roots and beginnings, uh, and he was so focused on these that he, uh, he dug and he dove, and he did not look up at the sky. Uh, and he had a buddy named Deagle, of course. Um, they might have had a friend named Regal uh, and a friend named Keagle, but uh, they- Eagle. 
they don't feature in this story. Uh, quiet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Deagle was into similar stuff, uh, but he had a good eye though, a slightly better eye than Smeagol did. Um, and one day the two of them took a little boat to the Gladden Fields. Uh, and the Gladden Fields uh, is where Isildur fell. Uh, if you were interested in the fall of Isildur. <laughs> we will be, Corey. We will be. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, heavy foreshadowing. Um, so yeah, they, they took a friendly little boat ride uh, to where um, a horrible massacre occurred at one time. Um, and, a fishing uh, trip. <laughs> really healthy fish out there. Um, Smeagol was off looking for roots and beginnings on the shore uh, while Deagle fished. And keep in mind that they were very much like hobbits. So being fairly inept, Deagle was somehow pulled into the water by a fish. Um, try, try and picture that too. Uh, a strong fish... fish that had been feeding on corpses. <laughs> it, it fed on the blood of Numenor and it was just riffling with muscles. Um, so the fish pulled him through the water. He spotted something. He let go and he grabbed for it on the riverbed. When he got back to the shore, he saw that it was a beautiful golden ring. Smeagol was watching and decided that he wanted the ring. So he asked Deagle to give it to him because it was his birthday. Unclear, I might add, whether or not it was actually his birthday. Are you going to tell me it was his birthday? It was his birthday, yeah. Wow. I, I wasn't reading forward. He asked Deagle to give it to him because it was his birthday. And as the custom of giving Mathems to others on your own birthday hadn't been invented yet, Deagle said no, because he had already gotten Smeagol a birthday present. So that proves that it was his birthday. So Smeagol strangled him for the ring. He hid the body, <laughs> and no one ever knew what happened. <laughs> um, he returned home wearing the ring. And while wearing the ring, Smeagol figured out that no one could see him. So he became sly and tricksy and often went around invisible and found out other people's secrets. Uh, until he became hated and loathsome to everyone. Cool. Easy. Yeah, easy way to become hated and loathsome to everyone. He also started muttering and gurgling and people began to call him Gollum. Definitely the weirdest thing that happens to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is kind of an odd one. Um, I, a, a quick side note, I never really put this together before, but the last three letters of Smeagol is G-O-L. And they started calling oh. it Gollum. Okay. Yeah, I've never noticed that before. Smeagol, Gollum? Yeah. <laughs> Does it mean anything? Probably not. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't not. I, I, I guess I've just never been able to picture... Uh, a smeagol? Like, <laughs> no, a golem. Uh, like gurgling <laughs> in your throat, sounding like golem? Yeah. Like, it's it's not really an automatopoeia to me. Look at you. <laughs> Mike, we're literary critics. Um, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so his grandmother, uh, to keep the peace in uh, the community, had to expel him from the family. And so <laughs> golem left. He had to leave. Goodbye, what are you golem. laughing about? Just expelling him. You're gone. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. You've been gurgling weird shit and disappearing <laughs> and stealing. And you've got secrets about all of us. <laughs> you've been telling everyone that I suck eggs. So you're <laughs> out of the family. 
It's not so much that he's telling it, it's the way he describes it. <laughs> so young Gollum wandered away. He ate fish and he began to hate sunlight. And so one day he saw the misty mountains in the distance and he realized that he could hide from the sun under there. So he made his way down to a dark, dank, gross little pool. <laughs> Conf confirmed gross. Um, and down there, after eating goblins and fish for many hundreds of years, he one day met Bilbo, our friend Bilbo Baggins. And we know how that turned out, of course, if you remember The Hobbit. Uh, and as it turned out, his riddling with Bilbo awoke a small and long forgotten hobbity part of Smeagol deep, deep down inside. Um, but after Bilbo left with the ring, Gollum followed him, or he tried to, and he eventually ended up in Mirkwood, as one would expect. And eventually he made it to Esgaroth and found out many things by listening and sneaking, which he was pretty good at by now, even without the ring. <laughs> so he tried to follow Bilbo all the way back to the Shire after the adventure of The Hobbit, but he ended up being drawn south towards Mordor. And there, uh, as you mentioned, Mike, he was imprisoned and cruelly interrogated by the Dark Power, who found out about Bilbo. <laughs> he was let loose from Mordor, eventually, and then caught by this uh, friend of Gandalf's that you mentioned, who they say is Aragorn, son of Arathorn, greatest traveler and huntsman of the age. Had they, had they said that yet? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, they say that in this chapter. Oh, okay. Yeah, personal friend of the show, by the way. Yeah, we <laughs> might have him on. <laughs> just, just one of us pretending to be here <laughs> um anyhow uh and now uh after that after being captured by by them and uh i think interrogated for the second time by gandalf do, do you get that impression mike that gandalf interrogated him at two separate points he captured him twice or interrogated him twice Oh, well, I think both like captured him and interrogated him and then let him go. And then Aragorn found him and then he captured and interrogated him a second time after he had been to Mordor. I think the second time he was able to recover him from being, he was caught by the wood elves, I think. Okay. And, and yeah, like he slipped through their fingers or no, they let him go. They thought, what the hell point is there to keeping this disgusting creature? <laughs> I mean, I see where they're coming from. Um, uh, yeah, okay. Uh, and But now he's back with the Wood Elves, uh, so I am to understand, uh, which is where Gandalf must have left him and trusted him to them. Um, and I assume that means the ones of Mirkwood. Uh, and that's it. That's, a, that's Gollum's life as we know it up to this point. <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> Do you think the first time they captured him, Gandalf said to Aragorn, did you hear about his grandmother? <laughs> and Aragorn, being quite different from Gandalf, said, Gandalf, he did not teach his grandmother to suck eggs. <laughs> Stop telling people that. Uh, and, and that's it, our madam for this episode. That's a good madam. Is there such a thing? I think this would be on the high end of the madams. <laughs> it just barely makes them a madam cutoff if you will. <laughs> not quite so interesting as to not be a madam, but just uninterested enough to be a madam. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Good work, Corey. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> I will draw you, Saruman, as poison is drawn from our wound.
And this is our most exciting new segment of the season. I will draw you Saruman, where we draw not Saruman, but a chapter cover for each chapter. Mike, I think it's your turn this <laughs> this episode. It is my turn, Corey. I've just sent you my chapter cover. Excellent. I am very excited about this. I've no I've realized something, by the way, in doing this. What? Keeping it secret from one another until we record is difficult because I was working on this and I was like, fuck, I wish I could ask Corey his opinion because I'm not quite done. I'm almost done, but not quite done. Oh, okay. It looks, it looks pretty done to me, Mike. Thanks, Corey. It's, it's fantastic. I love it, actually. Do you, do you like the reference I made here? I, um, for those people who can't see it, because this is a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay okay wait, wait wait hold on hold on hold on so this will this image will be coming up on our instagram at that hobbit shit <laughs> it will be available for you to look at we probably should post them right after the episode i think i suppose you know i i spoke to um uh my mom and my brother who both listen and uh, uh like after the episode came out I, I think they both listened to it almost like right away um because at this current time i have not posted my chapter uh cover from the last one yet uh and neither of them asked me about it and i was like huh (laughs) (laughs) huh so i guess it doesn't matter (laughs) i suppose not but it will come out um regardless i will i will post this on the 15th when the next episode posts excellent so so dear listener if you are listening you can see it um (laughs) Corey, I tried my darndest to emulate a woodcut from the Penguin Illustrated Classics woodcut series. That's and I, cool. did this, I did this digitally and I had to do it twice because I didn't really understand how it was going to work. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, there's still some stuff I want to work out, but it's pretty tricky to like, because you have so much control digitally over what you do. And part of doing a woodcut or a, you know, a block print is the happy accidents that happen. Yeah, of course. Oh, I hadn't thought of that. Oh, that's interesting. That's really neat. Wow. I I think you did a a pretty darn good job, Mike. I think it's pretty convincing. Yeah. Yeah. I I really like the, uh, the, the the woodcut style that you're going for. I think it's awesome. Uh, And you showed me, you very briefly showed me a sketch of this earlier. Yeah. Uh, and I was quite ex- excited to see where you went with it. I, I love that Sam's just peeking in there. <laughs> that little fucker. He is. He didn't didn't peek in in the in the chapter. I used some artistic license there, but you know you can't <laughs> you can't depict him listening. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to depict uh, Sam's uh, uh, like metaphorical presence. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, it, this was a very fun experience, and uh, I'm going to continue using Procreate to create these because it it forced me to learn a lot of things I wasn't comfortable with. Yeah, that's awesome. That's that's actually great. Um, the you mentioned the Penguin uh, woodcut series. Yeah. I don't I don't think I'm aware of this. Oh, so there's all these old Penguin illustrated classics, and they all have woodcut illustrations throughout. Oh, cool. Yeah, there. Um, maybe we can post some of those. Do you think we'll get flagged for some sort of like, you know, dirty copyright thing? <laughs> uh, I think if we throw them on our Instagram stories and and 
I don't know. We could even just put like, oh, yeah. I don't know, Penguin Classic or like book cover inspiration. Okay. I think I think that'd be fine. And like yeah, stories disappear after a while. They're pretty neat. I encourage you to look them up. Actually, you know, when relevant uh, to our um, our chapter covers, uh, we could actually post on our Instagram stories um, some of like the inspiration for it. Yeah. Um, you know what? That's a good idea. Here we are thinking on the air. <laughs> but yeah, that's a good idea. Like um, we will be posting sketches, like progress work. And I think the inspiration would be kind of cool too. Yeah. Um, before we leave the topic, I did as a uh, the listener with a keener eye <laughs> will not- <laughs> notice rather than having a, a, a square shaped image, I chose a circle, which signifies the ring that is such a hot topic right now. <laughs> so hot right now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I really like that. It, it, it like it works really well design wise. Yeah, uh, and it makes for a nice image. Um, if I do say so. Yeah, it, it like it, it it frames the ring quite well, especially like with like the window, um, sort of like making it a bit of like a tunnel in a way, like with the ring in the center. Yeah, I think that is cool. Yeah, the vanishing point being right above Sam's head. Yeah, his dirty little head. <laughs> it's probably full of leaves and shit. Oh yeah. Um, here's something that perhaps our listeners don't know uh mike you've often mentioned that a round window is uh is one of the things you want more than anything (laughs) (laughs) um yeah that was actually on the list of things that (laughs) when uh we were house hunting we gave our realtor a list of needs wants and um would love to have and a round window was on the would love to have which is excellent i always point them out when i'm uh, when i'm out for a walk like they're, they're so great any odd shaped <laughs> window is perfect you know what else i really love and i What's didn't that? get i couldn't we couldn't find that either a window box oh yeah that would be cool that you know like cool. when a kitchen window is offset by like a foot maybe half yes. a foot yeah yeah it's often full of plants too yeah those are beautiful like when you're just like you glance like like up the driveway or like down the path between houses and like yeah the the house is like flat but then there's this jutting out thing that's just got some some goddamn succulents in it yeah Uh, yeah it's great i love that too yeah i wish i had a round window (laughs) i also like though this is uh getting off the topic of hobbity type things i also like hexagonal windows yeah (laughs) yeah i they're they're pretty great um okay back on topic (laughs) (laughs) um here's one of my inspirations oh oh i see oh cool yeah oh i think looking at this i think i could use i could do a lot more white space um towards the bottom yeah cool interesting sweet yeah i I don't think um i don't think i knew about this particular penguin series they're pretty neat though aren't they i've probably seen them but i probably just didn't know that like it was a series you know like like more than a single book cover yeah like in that like that style i i can't find many pictures of the interior pages but there are several illustrations throughout as well oh cool oh that's awesome that's really neat um this did remind me slightly of uh of the like uh solid 30 minutes that we spent looking at um polish (laughs) movie posters at the end of last episode we shan't discuss that further 
<laughs> uh, bonus episode to come out soon. Yeah. I don't mean that. I don't, definitely no. don't mean that. <laughs> no, if you, if you are a follower of our Instagram, you might have heard tale of this. <laughs> I'm looking forward to your next illustration, Corey. Uh, yes, I, I'm quite excited for it. Uh, and yeah, excellent illustration, my guy. This is this is great. I'm really, really excited for uh, the collection that this will make by the end of this. It's going to be cool. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be really freaking cool. Um, awesome. Great. Thanks for joining us at I Will Draw You Saruman. <laughs> so thanks for listening to episode two of uh, That Hobbit Shit, season two, The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. Uh Wow, <laughs> we've come a long way. Um, so you can find us on our Instagram at that Hobbit shit. That's where we're going to be posting artwork, uh, of course, our beers, but much more importantly, our chapter covers. So go check out those, and uh, you'll know what the heck we're talking about when we draw you Saruman. Um, find us on Twitter at Hobbit shit, um, Patreon.com/slash that Hobbit shit. There'll be some behind-the-scenes stuff, especially like sketches and stuff for the artwork. If you want to go on there, you can also get it yourself. Hobbit shit sticker. Also, email us that hobbit shit at gmail.com. Uh, send us a letter if you want to end up on one of our newer segments. My dear Sam, I'm Corey. I'm Mike. Uh, and may, and the, may the hair on, hair your, toes on your toes never fall, never out. fall out. That was a good one. <laughs>